You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks and praise that you have drawn us together at this time. We thank you for, um, for, the, for the gift that we note that it is to be able to gather in your name and in your presence and to be drawn to you and to one another. As we reflect now, be in the midst of us, I pray. And ultimately, through my words, I pray that they would ultimately fade away and we would hear your word. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, great to see you all. So we, um, <laughs> we had a thrilling class kickoff last week on Labor Day. Um, and so I'll, I'll just sort of give you a little, uh, a little recap. Uh, and, and I'll just go ahead and preface as well to say... Um, last week, uh, this week, and then uh, next week. So it'll just be um, a series of three. And then we have some other great offerings that are going to be uh, in here um, in September and uh, in October as well. But Life Together, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book uh, on community, we we talked a little bit about Bonhoeffer and his, um, we talked about his, his faithfulness, his uh, martyrdom. And uh, this book came out of a time that he spent um, teaching basically an underground seminary during the time of the Nazis. So it was a time of, of tremendous, it was a time of tremendous persecution. And so one of the things I'll, I'll note as we reflect on what this book has to say is that obviously it's written in a particular time and in a particular context. Um, and so that that's important, that's important to remember. But uh, we remember the the tremendous um, uh, faithfulness of his life, and we talked about some of the things that he uh, had to offer by way of, of Christian community. And and one of the things that he said, quite rightly, and uh, and I'll uh, say this as well. Um, this this book is amazing. I mean, I didn't begin to scratch the surface of it last week. I won't begin to scratch the surface of it this week and, and the same with, with next week as well. And so in some ways, what I hope this time together will be is, is an invitation to you, um, if, if you haven't, uh, to, to read it yourself. Uh, and it's, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's, 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 it's thin, but it's, uh, it's dense, not in a tedious way. It's, it's dense in what it has to offer and what it has to say. Uh, by way of hopefulness of the nature and the character of God and, and the gift that is Christian community uh, and, and some of the things that it looks like. But among the things that we reflected on last week is that Bonhoeffer's contention, and I think he's quite right, is that, that the Christian community is not something we create. It's something created by God. Uh, Christian community isn't, isn't our creation. It's not something that we place our stamp upon. And that's typically what we like to do, right? We like to create something we like to place our stamp upon it, unless, of course, it goes wrong, and then we like to blame someone else. Um, uh, but, but Christian community is not something of our creation, Bonhoeffer uh, would contend. It's something which is a gift of God given to us, and so it's, it's something that we receive gratefully. It's something that we receive with joy. It's something that we receive with gratitude and, and thanksgiving. So to recognize it is that we have community, not through our intent, but through we have community under the word of God, and we have community through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is, uh, is the rock uh, and the stronghold. He's the foundation for our community. He is the life of community and relationship together. Um, it, it, comes from, it comes from Jesus. And we talked a little bit about as well, and I, I can't 
help but laugh. But he, uh, one of the things that Bonhoeffer does a uh, just a wonderfully gracious job of, of piercing is what he refers to as the wish dream, uh, and and the wish dream is is uh, how we. Uh, determine in our mind what Christian community is, what Christian community should be. Uh, and in some ways, we determine in our mind what other people should be. And in that process, we also determine what God should be. Um, so basically what he's talking about in the wish dream, we all have hopes and expectations, we all have wishes, but he, he wonderfully graciously says, it's a wonderful thing when, when God um, destroys our wish dream. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful gift when God destroys our wish, wish dream because then he can give us the real thing. Then he can give us that which, which he's created. Because the challenge of the wish dream, he says, is, is this, is that you and I have in our mind what it should be. And then, of course, we project that onto the community. We project that onto other people. And, and we also project that onto God as well. And then he says what happens, of course, inevitably, uh, because one of the things he quite rightly notes is that Christian community is messy. Um, it's, it's messy because uh, it's filled with sinners who are saved by grace. Um, so Christian community is, is inevitably messy, but what he, what, he, <laughs> what he holds out is that when it goes wrong, uh, then we blame other people. Uh, and then uh, after we blame other people, then we blame God. Um, and then uh, sort of in our continued despair, we blame ourselves. Um, and so that, that wonderful invitation for us to receive Christian community as a gift, as something created and fashioned by God uh, under the word of Jesus with Jesus as the source of it and the life of it, rather than something that you and I create. And again, the reality that um, uh, the Christian community uh, is, is a blessed gift to you and to me, something which is absolutely necessary and simultaneously um, something that is um, messy as well. Well, I'm gonna ask you a question here, and this, is, this doesn't have to be, I mean, it, it can be the church or, or, or any community in general. Um, in your mind, what are some things that make up a good community? What are some essentials of a, of a good community? Again, it can be, it can be any community. Uh, it doesn't have to be the church. Pardon me? Friendship. Friendship, a a absolutely. Yeah, friendship for sure. Um, acceptance. Commitment. Com commitment, absolutely. Yeah, commonality, uh, core beliefs. I mean, very definitely when you think about community, whatever it is, that there's that... Um, uh, that, that commonality, the sharing of essentials, uh, commitment to the same essentials. Yeah, what are, what are some other things? Those are great. Um, I'm sorry, Max? Enduring suffering. Enduring suffering, absolutely. Um, yeah, community uh, enduring suffering in, um, in a community and also certainly in, in relationships as well, the community between people, yeah, enduring suffering. And of course, you and I are able to experience suffering because of we know the way in which God moves through and redeems it, uh, even though obviously sometimes that's a lot harder to see. Yeah. Joy in the community? Certainly joy, yes. Honesty. Honesty, Absol absolutely. Um, absolutely. Those are all, um, those are all fantastic things. 100% um, uh, in agreement on all of those. And of course, one of the things that he notes is that we... We, we, we often sin and, and, and fall short of that. And so I would say one of the things that's needed for community as well, not because you've uh, omitted it, is that um, certainly in Christian community, we're dependent upon the grace of God. Uh, we're, we're dependent upon the, the grace uh, and the mercy of God. We're, we're dependent upon the sacrifice of Jesus because you and I are well-intended people 
um, who will fall short of the ideals, um, just like just like in relationships, just like um, in, in anything else. And in, in fact, um, you know, su- enduring suffering is one of the things um, that, uh, again, wonderfully we saw, we see the Bonhoeffer certainly um, did that in his life. We see Christians doing that because of the realization um, that though it's a real word, it's not the final word. Uh, it's, it's a real word, but it's not the lasting word. It's not the enduring word. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. One of the things that Bonhoeffer suggests is, and I think he's quite right, um, you know, a big shocker. I'm teaching class. I tend to agree with Bonhoeffer. Um, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a smart guy. Uh, and you're welcome to engage, interact. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, certainly um, a, a remarkable person, a martyr of the church. Um, uh, but, but again, you're, you're welcome to um, sort of... Uh, engage, agree, disagree. But one of the things he talks about also, particularly an aspect of Christian community, is that we are people who are actually united for eternity. That is, in a a Christian community, and again, that's kind of uh, ties in with with suffering. If If we know when Paul writes, for we know that these light and momentary afflictions are preparing for us a reward infinitely greater than this particular moment. We're able to endure suffering because we realize that there is something beyond, beyond that, that God ultimately, uh, well, God ultimately enters into suffering, doesn't he, in Jesus? Uh, God, one of the things that's distinct about the Christian witness is God is not distant or indifferent uh, from suffering. Uh, he's not distant or indifferent um, to, to our suffering, um, but, but rather than steering away from it, he steers toward it uh, for yours and my um, redemption and for our salvation, ultimately for our deliverance. But Bonhoeffer makes the, um, makes the point that we are people who are united uh, for eternity. And, and, and Paul certainly picks up this as well in his letter um, to the Philippians. But I want to read to you now um, one of the things that uh, Bonhoeffer holds out. And again, these are thoughts I'm putting forth for you and for me to think about of what it looks like to live together in Christian community, what its benefits are. One of the things that Bonhoeffer says is that one of the um, one of the reasons for the church, one of the reasons for Christian community, is our opportunity to speak the words of salvation to one another. Uh, the the need and the necessity for you and for me to speak the words of salvation to one another again and again, and the realization that we um, that we strengthen one another. Um, we're 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 stronger together um, than we are apart. It's it's like that great. Um, story about Martin Luther. It, it may well be apocryphal, but it's, uh, it's a great story all the same. Supposedly, after church one day, someone came up to Luther and basically asked him, when are you going to preach a different sermon? Um, it's, 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 the same, it's the same sermon um, Sunday, uh, same sermon Sunday after, after Sunday. It's, you know, it's, it's the basic presentation of the gospel and God's grace Sunday after Sunday, and, and basically the implication is, you know what, um, we've, we've got that. Um, we, we've, we've got that, and we're ready, we're ready for the next step. Uh, tell us what to do. Um, and, and you know what, we've got 101, we're ready to move on to 201, uh, 301, 401. And supposedly what Luther said in response is, well, I'll preach a different sermon when you show up looking like a people who believe the gospel. Um, <laughs> when you show up looking like a people who believe it, then I'll give you, then I'll give you a different story. But it, but you kind of show up every Sunday looking like people who need to hear that message again and again and again. And and, and Bonhoeffer talks about holding out the word of life to one another, and he says this. But God has put this word 
into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. Let's put it in the mouths uh, that we might communicate it to one another. And then he goes on, when one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother in the mouth of man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart um, is uncertain. His brother's um, is sure. So I, I, think, I think he's on to something, that one of the gifts of Christian community is that you and I have that opportunity to hold out the word of salvation to one another again and again. Uh, that, that word of God's presence, that word of God's power, that word of God's grace, because we need to hear it from one another. Uh, we need to be um, strengthened by one another. And uh, some of the things that uh, we're going to mention that he talks about as well is um, he talks about different facets of, of, of Christian community, some of the things. And again, I'm, I'm going to be able to, we'll touch on some of these today, but again, uh, there, there's so much here um, for us. Uh, but one of the things he talks about, and I'm going to touch on these kind of individually in just a minute, um, the call to corporate worship. Uh, the call to be together. And of course, that's been one of the challenging things, good grief, um, for the past year and a half or so. And I, I tell you, I, um, do y'all, I, I wonder about this again. It was such a thrill to see people out there today. Um, you know, I'm always, and I really, sincerely, I'm not, um, I'm not knocking folks, but I'm always a little, um, a little anxious when people say, I just love watching church in my pajamas. Um, <laughs> you know, I hear you, but as a, can I say, as a, um, as a clergyman, that's a little disconcerting. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, I, 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 I get it, but, but I, you know, that's sincerely, I mean, I guess it's one of those things we'll see. Um, what are the effects of this? Um, what are the effects of this time? Um, because I think it's kind of, and again, I don't have the answers. I, if, if y'all have insights, I, I welcome them because it's kind of, a, it's been a, just a good grief, a discombobulating time. Um, but I, I do wonder about what the impact will be on the life of the church going forward um, when we've been um, people who are scattered. And, and yet I also recognize, and I would imagine that y'all are here today as well, like me, um, because you long for community. I mean, you, you, you miss it. Uh, we, we miss, uh, not only is community a gift where we strengthen one another, where we hold out the word of life, um, to one another. Paul has this beautiful image in, in Philippians 2 when he talks about um, the Christian community and describes the Christian community as lights in the world. Uh, he describes it as, as lights in the world, lights uh, in, a, in a dark world. And, and, he, and he says this, he says, do all things without grumbling or questioning. And of course, um, he, he says that again, why? Because the Christian community is messy. Um, he says, do all this without grumbling or questioning, uh, I think because he realizes that we're grumblers and questioners. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't need to mention it. Um, just, uh, his, his mentioning it says, yeah, we're, we're, we, we all, we're often grumblers, we're often questioners. Um, uh, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be uh, blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, 
in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And then listen to this, among whom you shine as lights uh, in the world, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And, and, and he goes on, and I think this is an important point. We shine as lights in the world, not because we're fabulous, um, not because we're, we're so um, enlightened, but it's, it, it's, the, it's the presence and the grace of God that, that shines through us. Uh, that's, that's what shines as a light in the world. Because note what he says. He says, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. We, we shine as lights in the world as we hold fast to the word of life. It's like Jesus uh, notes uh, again and again and again um, in John's gospel. I am in the Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. There's that, there's that presence uh, of God um, which, which shines um, through us. So he, he speaks to uh, the call to corporate worship. Uh, and let me just share a quote with you, um, what he has to say about this uh, and the importance of, of corporate worship. He says this, let him who cannot be alone uh, be aware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. So sort of interesting, it's like, it's, it's both. It's, it's okay, and one of the things that Bonhoeffer talks about is like, you know, we need time, uh, we need time alone for prayer, for um, ref- reflection, um, but, but we also need time together in, in community. So he, he talks about the need um, for both. So I'll start again. Let him who cannot be alone be, beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, um, and despair. Talks about the need, uh, you know, just just by ourselves. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I do like some time to myself, but I'm the only one just like, it It, it runs out pretty quick. Um, it's, it's nice to have a little time that's just like, you know, um, you know, the you want to be left with your thoughts, and then you're left with your thoughts, and you thought, I need people. Um, I, that's I've had enough of myself. Um, I, I need I need community. And he speaks to the importance of yeah of, of having that time, but that we're called to be a people who live um, in community. Uh, and as part of that community, speaking that word of salvation, he speaks to the reality that um, at times that's a word of of tremendous. Um, What's well, always a word which is gracious, but sometimes it's a challenging gracious word and sometimes it's a comforting gracious word. Sometimes that word of truth that we receive uh, initially, um, it convicts us uh, initially. Um, but Paul talks about that importance. And actually, uh, Colossians 3, y'all might remember Colossians 3. It's typically typically read at weddings. Um, uh, you know, not uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Do y'all uh, do you remember that? Um, put on that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And he notes, and I think that's we're well to note, because uh, we'll talk in a minute about making intercession for one another, particularly those that we don't want to make intercession for. And he talks about how when we make intercession for the people we don't like, when we make intercession for the people that we are in conflict with, um, that we're um, angry with, then obviously that, that humanizes them. Uh, that, that humanizes them. 
when we, when we make intercession for them. We're not able to caricature them um, in the same way when we pray for them and recognize that they also are a, a sinner saved by grace, that they're a person in need of God's gracious intervention um, and, and mercy. And so uh, Paul goes on, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And you notice that, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Uh, sometimes that word of truth is a, is, is, is a gracious word. Sometimes it's a gracious word, but a, but a challenging word as well. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness and your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I had opportunity years ago, uh, I was a chaplain at the Citadel uh, to the Episcopal cadets there. And this is years later. One of the fellows that had been a cadet while I was there called and asked if I would come to Charleston to officiate his wedding. And of course, I was delighted. I said, yeah, I would love to. What a, what a thrill. What an honor. And I, it was not... Actually, in the church, it was at a, a site there in Charleston, and um, his brother-in-law was going to read this lesson from Colossians. And I said, hey, do you need me to um, mark it for you? No, 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 I've got it, I've got it, um, no problem. And so um, it's like, are you sure? A absolutely, I'm sure. And so we're there, and so he begins to read Colossians, and he, and he reads, um, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, or Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, um, passion, desire, uh, and, and covetousness. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Um, and they're, they're looking at me, um, they're, they look at me sort of wide-eyed, like, like I was just like, he started at verse one, and you you realize maybe y'all been there before, where um, you start and just rather than stopping and say, "Oops," he just pressed on. Um, so he just he, he 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 kept on reading. But now you must put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Um, and it and it goes and it goes on. It says here, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones. And we got to the reception and uh, they were doing the toasts. <laughs> and someone stood up and said, you know what? You had me at circumcision. Uh, it was just kind of one of those moments. But part of what Paul is, is, is talking about, part of what Bonhoeffer is talking about is, is the need for that full counsel of God um, to you and to me given to us. Because ultimately, um, through all of these means, the words of, of, of challenge, the words of encouragement, God's grace is working um, to shape and to fashion us. And uh, we're going <laughs> to... So we're... Uh, let me just say, because I'm looking at the time here, there, there's, 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 there's more to be said, and I'll just sort of... But I won't have time to talk about all these. But he encourages us um, to confess to one another. Uh, the, 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 the power uh, of, of confessing and being honest in a Christian community with one another. Because one of the things he notes is there can be the tendency in the Christian community that, that we don't believe the grace of God and we hide, uh, that, 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 that we hide uh, and, 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 we, and we pretend. Uh, and when we hide and we pretend, ultimately what that does is that isolates us and, and it separates us from one another. 
he's not talking about being overly invasive, but he's talking about here's a tremendous gift of God given to you and to me to be people who, who confess to one another um, and, who, and who pray for one another. The tremendous freeing power um, of that to let the light shine in such a way. And of course, there's a thing too uh, called universality. Um, you know, what we think is so unique to us that we share it with others, they're just like, not a shocker. Yeah, <laughs> the, the things that we wrestle with that we think are so challenging, that we keep so secret are, are not news um, to our brothers and to our sisters in Christ. He talks about the importance in Christian community of listening, uh, the, the importance of listening and the tremendous emphasis that the Bible places upon listening, and particularly in our moment, and I, I'm, as, I'm as guilty as the next. Um, it's a powerful thing today to be listened to, isn't it? We're, we're such... Uh, a distracted world, uh, and and we live um, very often in our in our echo chambers as well. Um, but to actually sort of value a person to to listen uh, and to take the time um, to do that, he talks about the necessity of a Christian community that that biblical truth must be clothed with acts of mercy, it must be clothed with acts of mercy, acts of grace, uh, of service, uh, of loving kindness. It's much of what we heard. Um, in the letter from James um, this morning. But I'll say this, and I'll just sort of end on this um, today. He calls us um, to intercede um, for one another. Um, and uh, as, I, as I say that to you, let me ask you a question. You don't have to tell me their names. Um, who, are, who are five people that you least want to pray for? And, and my guess is you probably... You probably have them, um, the, the, the five people that you least want to pray for. And, and what I would encourage you to do, honestly, is, is to begin to pray for those folks, um, to begin to pray for those folks. And it's funny, I found myself uh, independent of this class um, doing that this morning. I, I woke up. It's funny, after all these years, if I'm you know, preaching or teaching, I just don't sleep um, the night before. You think, <laughs> you think I've been at this long enough, um, but, I, but I just, I, 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 I don't. I mean, the, the, there it is, and I've actually come to a place of acceptance. Um, it's just like, yeah, there, there, there it is. Um, that, that's not changing. But it's funny, I, not because I'm so gracious, uh, because uh, there are clearly people I don't like. Um, but I find myself uh, doing that this morning. of sort of God leading me um, to pray for some people. Um, but let me read this, what he, what he has to say. And this is, it's a, it's a long quote, but it's so good. Um, it's so uh, in, incredibly good. Just as we relate um, our personal prayer to the scripture passages, so we do the same with our intercessions. It is impossible to mention in the intercessions of corporate worship all the persons who are committed to our care. And, and when he's talking about committed to our care, that, that's not just, we're, we're all called to be ministers. And so all of us have people who are committed to our care. Um, I mean, you know, again, it's not, that's not a clerical thing. That's, a, that's part of being a Christian. We have people who are committed um, to our care. Some of them were more excited about that than others. Um, and he says, uh, or at any rate, um, to do so in the way that is required of us. Every Christian has his own circle who have requested him or her to make intercession for them or for whom he knows uh, he has been called upon especially to pray. So we all have those people who said, you know what, pray, pray for me. And he goes and he says, uh, these will be, first of all, those with whom uh, we must live day by day. So there's kind of that natural circle for us, those people that we know, that we interact with, who have called us to pray for them. But he says this, 
This brings us to a point at which we hear the pulsing heart of all Christian life in unison. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. <laughs> Those are true, but maybe unwelcome words, right? Uh, great words. Um, his face that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. And to, and to me, that's, that, that, that's the key. It's the recognition that we're people who have received unmerited forgiveness and mercy. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's the beginning place uh, and for, for community, the realization that we have been extended community by God uh, because of what he's done for us and not for our merits. That's the starting place for us to live in relationship with one another and, and to recognize <laughs> that person doesn't deserve mercy any more than I deserve mercy. That person doesn't deserve prayers and forgiveness and kindness uh, any more than I um, deserve it as well. It, uh, the bonds of our common humanity. Uh, it's that you know, beautiful colic for purity. Almighty God to you, uh, uh, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. Uh, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. All of us, we pray that together uh, on Communion Sundays. This is a happy discovery, he goes on. This is a happy discovery for the Christian who begins to pray for others. There is no dislike, no personal tension, no estrangement that cannot be overcome by intercession as far as our side of it is concerned. I'll say he's right, but that's a little, it takes some time sometimes, doesn't it? That's a, I don't think he's wrong, but it's not always that quick, is it? Um, but uh, listen, there is no dislike, no personal tension, no estrangement that cannot be overcome by intercession as far as our side of it is concerned. Intercessory prayer is the purifying bath into which the individual and the fellowship must enter every day. The struggle we undergo with our brother in intercession may be a hard one, but that struggle has the promise that it will gain its goal. How does this happen? Intercession means no more than to bring our, this is so great. Intercession means no more than to bring our brother into the presence of God, to see him under the cross of Jesus as a poor human being and sinner in need of grace. Then everything in him that repels us falls away. We see him in all his destitution and need. His need and his sin become so heavy and oppressive that we feel them as our own. And we can do nothing else but pray, Lord, do thou, thou alone, deal with him according to thy severity and thy goodness. To make intercession means to grant our brother the same right that we have received, namely, to stand before Christ and share in his mercy. Such a, a, a phenomenal um, word. Uh, let me pray. It's, it was a great rally day, nine o'clock, but we've been a little pressed, and so it's all a little scrambled today. I'm looking at the time, but uh, I'll, I'll pray for us. But um, what I, kind of a, your, uh, our, our homework to take with us this week is, is to meditate on the profound mercy and grace given to us in Jesus Christ. Just that profound grace and mercy that have been given um, to you and to me. 
and, and to view our life and our community in light of that and, and to allow that realization to lead us in, in prayer for other people. Again, particularly people for whom we don't naturally want to pray, um, but to recognize them uh, in, in the similar light to ourselves. Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, though we lived as, as enemies uh, of yours, you did not leave us there. Uh, you did not count us uh, as enemies uh, as you um, ascended the cross on our behalf, uh, as you prayed, uh, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You have poured out your profound power in the world and in our lives, which is um, your cross and your blood and your resurrection, your grace and your mercy, the reconciliation and forgiveness extended to us and the security and the joy and the freedom of life that come to us as a result. I pray that that profound good news would fill our hearts with joy and with gratitude, uh, that your spirit would work upon us and that you would lead us to pray that you would lead us to pray and to make intercession for others. And in so doing, um, find your power uh, at work and your power being made perfect in our weakness. This we ask and offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, one thing as we're going, um, I'll say we have a men's Bible study. We've been re walking through Acts together. And uh, we're reading Acts 8, of course, where Paul is uh, going door to door uh, and, and dragging out Christians. I mean, I mean, Paul was the Taliban. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, Paul was, Paul was the Taliban. And to think about the way in which God brought mercy and grace through his ministry and through his preaching and, and, and the way that the Christian community received him is, is profound when you stop thinking about it. I mean, say, I mean that's, we have such an exact modern-day example of it. Well... I'm late. Go in peace. Uh, good to see y'all. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at Advent Birmingham.